You're listening to the Australian Army Training and Doctrine Podcast. Welcome to our short series of podcasts on the Cove featuring 7th Battalion, the Royal Australian Regiment, and the lessons learned during the battalion's ready year deployed in the Middle East region. With me is Corporal Tyson Napier, who deployed with the battalion on Operation High Road to Afghanistan from June 2016 to February 2017. So tell us about your role on that mission. What was your responsibility? I was a section commander as part of FBA 6 and my main role was the uh, protection of the mentors as they trained the Afghan soldiers. So you were in a force protection role? Yes, that's correct, yep. And how did that work on the ground? What were you doing from day to day and from week to week? So we were on a a three-week rotation. The first week, that was our actually force protection week. Basically how that worked is we'd go out with the mentors in small little four-man teams, which we called nodes, that come from a British term. So we'd go out with the mentors, whilst they're giving their lessons, we just provide that protection from any insider attacks or any other type of danger they could get into. The second week we moved into was our guard week. So guard week was one of the more boring weeks for us, if I could say that. There was uh, towers all around our little FOB, which we had to man. So the diggers would usually man the towers. Me being a section commander, I'd be in the guard room itself with a little camera and a little radio to all the towers. So yeah, we tried to keep the rotations a bit reasonable for them, only a few hours at a time to keep them alert. Then we had our third week, which is our QRF week. There's two stages of QRF. Uh, QRF is a quick reaction force. So the first QRF, QRF1 we called it, that was just a section task. Now that was a five-minute notice to move, so we'd all hang out in the QRF1 room um, just for 24 hours at a time. That was more of a localised sort of QRF for the Mufundu area itself. QRF2, that was one our entire platoon was part of, including the QRF1 guys. That was a on a 15-minute notice to move, and that was could be reacted anywhere throughout Kabul. That sort of double-hatted, though, with other tasks such as securing the HLS for visitors that come in, or going down to the GSU gates to allow the uh, contract workers to come in, just things like that, yeah. So there was some diversity, even though the overarching theme was force protection. So how did you prepare for that before you went into country, before you left Australia? We spent a solid six months training up for it. We were quite lucky in the fact that because we were working in Kabul, which is a city, and Noah, which is like a classroom-type environment, we didn't really have to go out bush that much until we were training just with actual live-fire rounds and things like that. Um, so a lot of it was just here on base. We set up little scenarios. We got some contractors in with some, you know, like fake blood and all that kind of thing for the CAS scenarios. So we really tried to focus on just working with mentors, getting used to engaging with a, uh, so a higher rank so that, you know, we could be dealing with up to a brigadier sort of level as mentors. So just getting that familiarity and confidence in especially the younger soldiers in talking to ranks that high. And, yeah, focused heavily on casualty stuff as well. Although we had no real role of going out and looking for fights anymore, we still had to be ready. So, yeah, a lot of casualty work. Interestingly, in one of the other podcasts in this short series recorded with Lieutenant John Pandoulis, he talked about, as a platoon commander, the importance of training his members to be able to brief those members of higher command and that importance of of self-confidence in that briefing context. Was that your experience, that you received sufficient training to be able to do that? Yeah, I think, uh, look, we come up with some little brief cards to sort of standardise throughout everything as well to try to just give that little bit more confidence, especially the younger guys. The mentors, they 
tried to really take over and tried to tell us where we were going to go rather than the other way around as it should be. The guys providing security are the ones who dictate where they can and can't go. So yeah, it was definitely helped to instill that confidence to actually tell these higher ranks that no sir, sorry, we can't do that. And you had to do that on the ground? Yeah, yeah, a number of occasions, yeah. A few of them get this idea that Afghanistan's a really safe place and that everyone's their mate. And yeah, they try and wander off and you know, do their own thing a lot of the times. There are you know, a few that don't believe that force protection is necessary. So yeah, we really had to force ourselves on those types of mentors and make it known that we're here to protect them and uh, we really have to do our job. We can't with them wandering off. In terms then perhaps of keeping your skills up to date on the ground, while you were going through this three-week rotational structure of the quick reaction force, the guard duty and the force protection element, how did you keep your training current? The QRF week, that was our main one that we were able to pull a lot of rehearsals together just because we had a lot of free men at the time. Every QRF week we'd be doing at least one full QRF rehearsal. We'd do a couple of little casualty scenarios and things like that. The QRF1 guys, they'd be practising going building to building through all the different zones through FOB Cargo, especially Zone Red, I believe it was. That was quite a tricky place to sort of clear. It was a lot of shipping container, you know, almost like a dump yard or it just sort of felt like, uh, yeah, so we'd always be practising that, make sure we are well drilled in it. Guard week was another time where we had a bit, well, not as much, but, you know, we had a few blokes around, so we'd try and run a few lessons here and there, more so just to get the professional development up of the younger guys. You know, we might throw a scenario at them and just see how they would react, things like that. That also instills the drills that we have to use over there in their minds if they have to think of them through a scenario. How then did you adapt skills that you had learnt on the ground here in Australia to the realities of being in Afghanistan? The training this time around was was really good. It really suited what we were doing in previous rotations and uh, different trips they've really instilled this very war-fighting type of mentality, whereas this time around it was well known that we weren't going over there to go out and fight. We were purely here for a protective role. So things as little as our stance on the ground, you know, non-aggressive stance, that kind of thing, we'd practice from those stances, you know, if something did happen to start engaging. So that really helped us a lot, especially range week. We did a lot of combat shooting as well in urban-type environments which really helped us and again you know when we had a bit of downtime especially during the rehearsals we could really hone those on the ground but um, we didn't really have to change a great deal once we're over there it was all pretty smooth. It sounds though like flexibility was very important that although you were going out there with a non-aggressive stance that you needed to be able to change your posture at a moment's notice if required. Yeah, that's correct. Like you say, although we had to have a very non-aggressive posture, we always had to remain alert and ready. It's really hard to stay focused when you're doing such a boring task out there. And I won't lie, sometimes standing in a hallway trying to be on guard is, is boring after a few hours. But yeah, just even though you're in non-aggressive posture, you really have to be ready to snap into a combat stance at a moment's notice. So how do you achieve that? And how do you train for that? How do you train to maintain your focus and maintain that alertness even when the job does get mundane? It's a difficult one. It's different for everyone. Myself as a section commander, I was trying the hardest to keep my boys interested. Uh, when I'd go to meetings and stuff like that, you know, we'd always spend a bit of time as a platoon sergeant whilst our sergeant was on leave. 
and that gave me great insight as to what is actually happening in Kabul itself and there's always attacks going on there. So I was able to pass that on to the guys and just let them know that you might feel safe here but there's stuff just happens all the time. So always look at each person, always assess what they're up to, things like that. And we also try to keep our rotations short times just so we don't have to stay focused for hours at a time. If we could drop it down to a half hour rotation, we could. And then, you know, it's half hour, stay alert, it's no dramas at all. What about your personal equipment, your body armour? How did you set that up before you went into country? Our body armour itself, we went with a really minimalist approach, working in urban environments, classrooms, and in and out of vehicles and that. We didn't want anything too big and cumbersome. And we also wanted to be quite agile, especially if we had to react and um, get the mentors back to the safe room or vehicles. So usually we'd have no more than five magazines on us, usually just four across the front, one on the weapon itself. On the sides of the body armour itself, we'd try and keep nothing on at all. We did have to have a small IFAC just on the side. We kept it to the left side just purely so that we've got plenty of room on the right side for it to draw our pistol or vice versa for a left hand. And then we'd use our Batman belts, as we call them, or stalk belts. So we'd have a pistol, maybe a smoke grenade pouch, a couple of little admin pouches, things like that. Any other of the bigger stuff, we'd always have our day bags, which we kept with us anyway, because we always got the vehicle or safe room there. So we can leave that bigger, bulkier items in those types of areas, as long as we've got men in there, of course. So, yeah, we very much a minimalist approach. How important do you think that was, to have a minimalist approach? Oh, hugely important, I think, especially when you go to the training areas and things like that, working there, those little urban environment training areas they were using. Doorways are quite small, rooms are quite small. And not only that, just uh, this comes back to remaining alert. You know, if you, you haven't got something that's bulky and heavy weighing you down, you're more likely to be paying attention. Looking back then on your deployment as a whole, what were the lessons learnt for you? Were there some ways in which you feel you could have prepared better or indeed there are some lessons perhaps you could pass on to subsequent rotations? I think for myself having a previous trip definitely helped so I knew what to expect coming in. I tried to pass that on to the boys that it's not like going to be a war movie. Um, it's like I said, it's very much a protective defensive role. So as long as you can understand that and there's going to be long periods of boredom I'd highly recommend getting some kind of hobby or doing an online course, stuff like that. Just stuff to keep your mind occupied. Definitely keep in contact with friends and family back home. That helps dramatically. The biggest one for us is just just understand that it's not a war fighting trip anymore as such. You know, always got to be ready for it, but it's not going out and looking for it. Trying to train the uh, Afghan National Army is the main goal of it all. Get them ready so they can do the offensive stuff now for their own country. Corporal Tyson Napier, thank you very much. To listen to more podcasts in this series featuring lessons learned from 7RAR's Ready Year, visit the COVE's website. The web address is www.cove.org.au. That's www.cove.org.au. I'm Captain Sharon Maskeldare. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia.